Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have Dr. Michelle Deering, who believes that every mother and daughter should have a thriving, loving relationship. This refreshing approach has made her a sought-after speaker, online educator, and consultant. Before running her consulting business, Michelle served as a licensed psychologist and board-certified sport psychologist at a Big Ten University, Fortune 500 corporate trainer, and high education professional. Nowadays, you'll find her speaking at conferences, training for her next Reebok Spartan Sprint race, and practicing rudiments on her drum kit, all while coaching, serving clients, and recording her hit podcast, Mother Daughter Connections. You know, as a father of a daughter, I'll never understand the relationship between my wife and my daughter. So to have someone like Dr. Deering out there educating, helping, someone who understands with a lot of knowledge behind her makes me feel a lot more comfortable that I can learn and educate myself. So for all the moms and daughters out there who are tuning into this week's episode, let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. I'm super excited to have this colleague, friend, someone who's so supportive of everything I do. It's just a fun-loving, laughable, really great person. She's not laughable. She laughs a lot and uh, really is just makes a really wonderful person to chat with and get to know. Dr. Deering is here with us to talk about the mother-daughter relationship. That's her specialty on how to really build stronger relationships and not be so filled with drama, but calmer and more connected. So Dr. Deering, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Well, hi, everyone. Uh, I am so, so excited to be here. My name is Dr. Michelle Deering, and I am a mother-daughter relationship personal trainer. And what that means is that I'm all about, and my heart is, and my passion is to educate Uh, encourage and equip busy moms with tools and strategies to actually help them make intentional connections with their daughter so that they can create meaningful communications with them. So that's my heart. That's what I'm all about. I'm also uh, happily married to my BFF for the last, it'll be 30 years this year. And um, I'm the mother of twin daughters who are young adult, uh, young adults crushing it. So that's amazing. I mean, that's a, that's the goal right there. And yeah. and you know, something I always like to ask professionals um, in this field is, what pushed you to your niche or niche, depending mm-hmm. on what you want mm-hmm. to choose, <laughs> and, and maybe what pushed you to be um, either a coach or or a, men- a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. Well, I was raised by a single mom uh, in the South Bronx, actually, and um, I had no idea that I wanted to get into the field of psychology. Actually, I thought it was a joke when the idea came to my mind uh, back in a long time ago. <laughs> and so, um, you know, in my family uh, growing up, the options were typical Jamaican family. You're either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. And so I chose medical doctor, got to Brown University, got to my sophomore year, organic chemistry kicked me in the butt and was sort of like, well, I guess I'll just major in bio. And so I majored in bio, uh, did some journalism on the side and got out of school, had my second, my first job was as a math teacher. My second job was in human resources at a fortune 500 company. And during that time, I was doing outreach to the community in Boston and I was working with teenagers. And during the summertime, I started noticing that there were just these trends of transitions that were very difficult for them. 
uh, given the teenagers I was working with. And that just got my heart really longing more to be of help to teens making transitions from um, high school to college. And so when I got to um, Rutgers to do my doctorate in counseling psychology, um, my whole focus was all about um, transitions, how do folks cope and make transitions. Fast forward, now I'm, um, <laughs> twins came, my twins came in the middle of my doctoral program. So fast forward, they're about to enter middle school. And one of my daughters who I'd had a very, uh, you know, close nurturing kind of relationship with, I just, during the pace of my work and career, didn't realize that I had unintentionally started repeating some of the same patterns that my mom had done with me, not listening, um, overlooking, being very critical. And um, that ended up taking a toll on her to the point where she ended up expressing that she didn't want to live anymore. And I, that was my hard pause, my wake up call moment. And I thought, hmm, you know, I really need to pause, <laughs> reflect on what my behavior has been doing and how it's been affecting her. And I need to do differently. Um, fast forward three years time period where I was working on myself, put myself into therapy, got some, 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 some real insights as to what was going on. It took those three years to really just repair the relationship with my daughter, who now we have this wonderful relationship. And, you know, as I said, she and her sister are crushing it as young adults. Um, and we even chuckle now, which is kind of the neat thing about, you know, some of the stuff, like she can mimic me. She knows like when I'm about to like, you know, have my moment. And I know when she's about to have her moment and we're able to just stop and regroup and reconnect. And so that was what um, was kind of the bedrock. And then when I, when my husband and I moved, moved our family to North Carolina, uh, I was in a cul-de-sac with a lot of younger moms. And I started noticing that the way in which the moms interacted with their daughters was different than their sons. And it started to pain me. It was like, I was almost reliving stuff all over again. And they would ask me questions. And then I just thought to myself, how can I be of help to more moms, which is what led to my writing my book, mm -hmm. What Mothers Never Could Tell Their Daughters, because I wanted to give moms more of a conversational um, approach to how to actually do that pause. Uh, my book is not uh, uh, a self-help per se. It's more like, hey, you and I are hanging out at Starbucks and we're just yapping and I'm just talking to you about things and noticing things. So that's... Uh, that's how I got to doing what I'm doing. It's my heart because I believe that your mother, daughter, your relationship with your mom, whether you're a guy or a gal, your relationship with your mom is the foundation for everything else that will transpire. And my heart is to give moms tools so that as they're raising their daughters, if their daughters choose to be moms later on, they're raising the next generation. And so that's, that's, that's my heart. Mm -hmm. And so the question I have, you know, I have other questions that we discussed before, but I want to just ask something because sure. you said something really profound, but I want to just ask a quick question. What is the difference between the way mothers talk and deal with their daughters versus their sons? Yeah, what I've seen in my practice and uh, just in my social circles is that um, moms tend to be like, if there's something that a mom has not settled within herself, that ends up, and if her daughter usually will end up 
either not doing or doing something that the mom either wished or wished hadn't happened, she'll really just harp on it. And they're more critical. Um, whereas with their sons, uh, and again, this is a broad generalization, but with their sons, uh, they, they aren't as identified with their son, just pure biologically, because the arc between a mom and a daughter is different than an arc between a mom and a son in that when your mom births a daughter, she's seeing and the daughter she's seeing herself in the daughter and the daughter is seeing her mom as the first femaleness mm-hmm. example and so what happens is over the course of that child's de- that daughter's development there comes a point where the daughter having identified with the mom then says okay is this what i want <laughs> Or not, and then that's when the changes starts happening. It starts happening around tween years, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and if a mom isn't careful, like I wasn't earlier on with my daughters, if she isn't careful, she can fall into some of the same mother-daughter patterns that she had with her own mom on things that they haven't resolved. Whereas with mm-hmm. the son, when he reaches his tween years, he's now looking for okay maleness what what is that who am i identifying with mm-hmm. and he's got to go that that guy route that's a whole nother conversation and, and i think it's just so interesting because something that i very much have started to realize and really push to my clients and people i talk to who are asking about mental health whether it's through social media of course i never answer you know that social media is not a replacement of therapy it's more like should i go to therapy or not you know it's like yes <laughs> Yes, um, right. I'm, a little, I'm a little biased, a little biased yeah. on coming to therapy. But in the end, <laughs> something that's, I think, really important that people don't understand is there's stuff within us that impact how we behave and see the world without it being a crisis or that we are, quote unquote, insane or crazy. I hate those words. Uh, yeah. But we have things that color our world that we don't even know about. So sometimes I really suggest, especially let's say I'm a relationship specialist. Mm-hmm. So before you get married, go talk to someone. Before you dive into a deep relationship, a long-term yes. relationship, engagement, marriage, lifelong commitment, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. find out what your past is with relationships before you get into it and then, boom, it explodes <laughs> and then you're like, oh right. no, crisis. Right. So I highly suggest that for parents as well. Mm-hmm. Even like two, three, a month session, two-month session before right. or even in the beginning of the baby because I don't know about you. And my wife, I have full permission to talk about this. My uh-huh. wife's and I's relationship yes. during the first year of Ricky's life, my daughter's life, was mm-hmm. one of the hardest times in our marriage. Now, we're not married that long. It's ongoing on seven years. Okay. But we're still like newlyweds. And maybe we'll mm-hmm. view ourselves as newlyweds till the day we die. <laughs> and I don't mind. Giddy and cute and wonderful. Right. <laughs> but that we never had a place to understand what we needed as individuals as well as parents. Like, we never talked about that because how could we? We weren't parents. Like, how do we know what the other person's going to need as parents if we've never been parents before? So now, going on baby number two, at this point when the episode airs, we will have a few-month-old baby, newborn Mm -hmm. baby. Mm -hmm. We're already prepared and ready and more equipped to be able to communicate our needs and even know what our needs are to begin with. So I love what you're talking about is like noticing and saying, okay, you probably have patterns and things from your parents. Doesn't mean that you're, that something's wrong. 
That's mm-hmm. a problem. Right. But be aware of it so that all of a sudden when you're sitting with your daughter, your son, tweens, year, and you're like, oh, gosh, what is happening? You <laughs> at least have some awareness and then you can pivot and cope with it. So, yeah. Sorry, go for it. No, no. I was, I was totally agreeing with you. And you said something that's real key in terms of you, you talk about it, the communication between you and your wife. Now, for me and my husband, it was nine years between when we got married and when we had our kids. So there was a lot of stuff that we had worked out and talked about, not just about us as individuals, but us as a couple. And as you said, what we need from mm-hmm. each other before yeah. having the children. So yes. It, which totally by the way it. is why sometimes um, having children, I'm not bashing people for having children too quick or fast. If that's what works for you, or even if it's right. a surprise, nothing right. you could do about it at this point. Right. But that's why that sometimes can put a huge strain on relationships because you not got, you never got that piece of, I don't really know you well enough to know what you need. And now you can't communicate well enough because you're tired, hungry, overwhelmed. Right. <laughs> Your brain is frazzled and not working to the best of its ability. Um, right. We're gonna fight, right. like we're gonna we're gonna beat <laughs> each other's throats. We're gonna try to choke each other out. Like that's just that's just what's gonna happen, and it mm-hmm. puts a massive strain because you never had the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go into parenting because I love parenting. I've actually mm-hmm. started to call myself a parenting specialist, which gives me some anxiety to do that because I'm a new parent. But I just love the parenting world so much. I'm so passionate about it because a lot of times I work with teenagers and a lot of the work that I'm doing is not with a teenager because a lot of the times the teenagers are actually great. <laughs> I'm like, and I have to convince the parents like, by the way, your kid's awesome. Right. And there, there's no mental health. They're, they, they're doing great in school. They have friends, they have sociability. They're wonderful. Um, we didn't talk about you. And, right. and they're like, what? No. <laughs> uh, so like, it's really fun for me to, to really get into the parenting world. Um, something that I, I love that you talk about, you mentioned that pause. Mm-hmm. I want to give a, a story for a second, hear what your thoughts are, and then we'll go into the pause for a second. Sure. Uh, a couple of months ago, my daughter has been sick on and off for four months with ear infections, mm-hmm. ear infections, ear infections. We finally got her tubes. Thank God. <sighs> there was one morning she had an hour and a half tantrum. I know that because I timed it because it was ridiculously (laughs) long. And I realized that I was getting very overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and I could not handle being a parent at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I stepped away, right? She was safe. She was like playing with her toys, screaming and yelling, very safe, walked away for five minutes or two minutes. Mm -hmm. It felt like not enough time. (laughs) And I would come back and check in, leave, come back and check in leave and come back and check in. And I remember that I talked to you a little bit after that and you you reaffirm this idea of pausing as parents. Okay. And I feel like as parents we feel like with the need to that we have to react and be on and do and jump and save and can you talk about that power of pausing and what that does for us as parents and then in turn helps our kids. Yeah, that pause is so important because it actually gives you space to get in tune with, and, you'll, and, and you might not think that I'm going to say this, but it gives you space to get in tune with your body. Not necessarily your mind or emotions, but in tune with your body. Because I think our body stores so much, and there's research around this, but our body stores all of our experiences. That's why we sleep and we have to have good sleep with REMs so that our body can decompress. So 
that pause helps us get in tune with our bodies. And as we're getting in tune with our bodies, then we can identify what we're actually feeling. Because once we identify what we're feeling in that moment, that's when we can make the choice. Outside of that, you're just reacting as opposed to responding. Okay. Reacting is just, you know, well, we all do it at different points in time, but responding requires some thought. And so that's what the pause helps. And when you actually do that pause, the way in which it helps your, your daughter or son is that it shows, the, it, one, it models for them how to do it. And then two, it shows them that you're actually putting some thought into whatever is the next thing that's going to come out of your mouth as opposed to reacting. Because once you say those words, you can't take them back. Now, one might think, okay, I said the words, I can't take them back. I'm screwed. Pardon me, screwed. Can I say that here? I'm you screwed. Can curse. You <laughs> can say worse than that. Okay. okay, okay. So I'm screwed. But my contention is, even if you feel screwed in the, in the moment, that's a perfect opportunity, or I should, should say a wonderful opportunity to connect differently with your son or daughter. A lot of times, at least women in particular, we tend to beat ourselves up because there's this standard of, as you said, Mom's got to be on all the time. It's almost like this perfection thing. And that starts a cycle, which we can get into uh, later. But my point is that pause actually helps you determine how you want to respond in the moment. And for you, it sounds like you knew you needed to leave the room. Okay, if that's your way to decompress, leave the room, do that. You already made sure she's safe. And then you came back and checked in. For, other, for others, you know, a mom might need to say, may need... And she has the ability to say, mommy's going to go over here right now. <laughs> I'll be right back. You know, that kind of stuff. So that's, those are my thoughts. On, yeah. On and, I, and, I, and I think on top of it, something that's truly important that people don't really realize is that taking a pause doesn't mean that you're bad as a parent. Right. Right. Taking a pause means you're trying to better be a parent and that you don't have to have the answer or know what to do. At every moment or every aspect of your child's life. Right. If your kid is safe, alive, fed, and sheltered, mm -hmm. clothed and sheltered, they're doing great. You're successful. Mm -hmm. You pausing could be the difference of them having a fulfilling, happier life or a more chaotic, destructive life. Right. That could be a huge... Now, now, now I'm, that's broad strokes right there, right? <laughs> if you don't pause, your kids get out of a chaotic life, right? <laughs> right. right. No, Be scared. No, but saying, it's more right? of the idea that you can gain control over your ability to react. You don't – this is something that I, I talk about when it comes to even active listening. Mm -hmm. Taking a two to five second pause feels like a long time, but it's really not, not that much time, and it can help your brain reset and actually answer correctly, clearly, and in the right way. Right. That's all it takes is two to five seconds to be able to just take a pause, mm -hmm. gather all the information that's in front of you, mm -hmm. maybe try to take in all the aspects of the situation, mm -hmm. your child, yourself, and the bigger picture, and then jump in, right? right. So, and, and I know you talk about the idea of pausing to be aware of their behaviors. Yes. So we talked about the parenting side of mm -hmm. it. Can we talk right. about how the focus of pausing is for the kid and being aware of their behaviors and what that means? Yeah, actually, uh, in that pause, the what you're needing to do in that moment, <clears throat> let me just back up for a second. Go for um, it. Because the, 
there's this underlying message that moms have about perfectionism. All right. And I think that instead of aiming to be perfect, aim to reflect. And that's what happens in the pause for your son or daughter or son is you're giving them, you're giving them, you're giving yourself an opportunity to actually take in what they're thinking, feeling, and expressing in that moment. Because as you do that, that's when you're going to be able to reflect back to them what they are thinking, feeling, and doing in that moment. That process of reflecting is something mm-hmm. that happens really early on for a mom as she's holding her baby. You know, uh, not to get technical attachment theory. It's all about the what are you mirroring back to your 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 daughter. That continues even as they're two, tween, teens. What you're giving, what you're reflecting back to them when you do that, they end up feeling heard. Well, actually, they end up feeling seen, heard, and understood. Those are like three of the main things that that ki- all kids need, but in particular, young girls, because they are bombarded with so much, especially during the tween years, about how they look, how they behave, who they're hanging with, you know, who's saying what, who's liked me, who's friend me, who's not. They need to be seen. I mean, when was the last time you actually looked at your child, your daughter and smiled at her just because and didn't say anything, but just smiled at her because you were glad to see her. Next thing she wants to be heard. We as women, we know, especially if you're with a significant other, you know, you know, it's sort of like you've just had an awful day and you go and you rant to them, but they don't hear you. You know what that feels like. Okay. So what you're trying to do in that moment of reflection is you're, you're pausing not just only to consider your behavior, but then to put yourself in empathetically with, in the shoes of your child and then reflect back to her so that she is seen, heard, and understood. That's really necessary. Love that. And there's, by the way, just so much research behind that. I know if you read uh, like Tina Bryson's book yes. um, or Dan Siegel's book on showing mm-hmm. up as a parent, they talk about the five S's mm-hmm. and being seen is one of them, mm-hmm. right? Is helping your children be seen. And that means respected for their opinion. That means that you're actually taking their opinion and their thoughts for real Mm -hmm. and validating it. So that leads me actually to my next thing that you discussed before about Mm -hmm. your your journey to this point of your career. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I think a lot of kids come to terms with when they get older is looking back on their relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm. Questioning. Mm-hmm. reading into reflecting going to therapy about it understanding some unhealthy patterns and healthy unhealthy communications and of course hopefully good things too mm-hmm. as a parent your kid comes to you and says when you did this and this when i was a kid it, it hurt my childhood it made me feel like this you know this was a bad experience how do you as a parent mm-hmm. see your children maybe they're older in their mm-hmm. young adult life mm-hmm. How do you help get like give them that respect and validate their feelings when they're questioning your parenting? And it, how do you not dismiss their experience and build the relationship of trust and being seen and respected that that was your experience and you might feel that way? I hope it wasn't as bad as you're making it seem. I'm sorry, or let's work on it. Yeah, th- that uh, 
I, well, one, I, yes, I have had that. My daughters have uh, said that to me, my gosh, the things they remember. <laughs> and so in those moments, um, and I know it's really, really hard because as I said, moms have been fed this message of they have to be perfect and perfect means that they are close with their daughters and that there's never any conflict whatsoever. If, I, if you can remember anything from the, our time together, that's no such, that's not reality. <laughs> okay, we're going to have conflict. Um, we might not be as close. So in, that mo- in those moments when my daughters have done that with me, what I've done is I've, uh, and it takes a lot of energy, shut my mouth and just listened. And the very next, after they've done, the very next words out of my mouth are usually, I hear you. and. I'm sorry for, and I get specific about what it was that they were just saying to me. And then I shut my mouth again to see how they respond to that. And usually at least my daughters, they'll say either, oh, well, I'm glad that you heard me. Thank you. Um, And, or my other daughter, who's more talkative, (laughs) she'll say, you know, more about it. And I'll just sit there and listen. That's going to, there, there's something to be said for uh, how to apologize. Uh, in the moment with to your daughters or sons. Um, and that cannot be underestimated, the power of an apology. Uh, I, mean, I have just finished, I, uh, I think one of my episodes was talking about a couple episodes ago about how it's really hard to apologize because the I am sorry, it's taking ownership of it. Even if it was unintentional, that was your daughter's experience. And you have to validate that. To not validate it is really kind of erasing and taking a chop at um, her identity. And so I know in our heart of hearts as moms, we don't want to do that. But reactively, notice I use the word reactively, we we end up doing that. And what I'm saying is that's why you just need to pause, (laughs) close your mouth and just listen. And then the very next words need to be, I hear you, which then validates her. And then I'm sorry for, and then be specific. And and the point is that you're, as a parent, it's very hard to be questioned of like, I'll give you a personal example. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have a terrible childhood, but it doesn't mean that, you know, my relationship and the experience that I had as a kid were perfect. Mm -hmm. My brother and my, my parents' relationship was a little chaotic to be, to say the least. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the easiest person to deal with when he was a teenager, a lot of yelling and screaming in the household. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as now being older and a therapist, I guess I become very self-reflective on my own self and going to therapy myself. It just helps you gain perspective. And there's questions I have and clarifications and just talking points with my, my parents. And the hard part is, is that when you say, you know, when I grew up, my experience was blah, blah, blah. And it made me feel blah, blah, blah. And they go, well, that's not what it was supposed to be. And it didn't happen that way. And <laughs> And, and of course it wasn't that, and that's only your thoughts that didn't really happen, right? Yeah. That's a very easy thing for parents to say to their kids who are asking, talking, wanting clarification, or trying to just be heard. Mm-hmm. And all that does, and this is, by the way, a relationship experience or even any conversation you have with someone, when you have a, a struggle with someone, you say, you know, when that happened, I felt blah, blah, blah. And someone goes, no, you didn't. You can't feel that way. That's not what I meant. Yes, you can feel that way. And it still could be not what the person meant. 
So by saying that, what you're doing is stealing their experience and kind of shutting off any opportunity for them to go, this hurt me because, and you go, well, it can't hurt you because that didn't happen. Right. This is not a delusional conversation here. Okay. This is someone's experience. Okay. And research shows, actually, if you take two kids growing up in the same ho- household in pretty close age, they have very different experiences with yes. the same parents. Right. Because how you parent each kid is different. The feelings and perspectives of each kid is different. And mm-hmm. how they grew up is different and how they see the world is different. So there's no facts. There's no, like, baseball or football, like, let's go to the replay and the videotape. That doesn't exist. So dismissing... Right. And I've been seeing this in a lot of mom groups of like, my daughter just said to me, when you did X, Y, and Z, I felt that my childhood was stolen, or I felt that I had to be an adult faster than I wanted, or you were this, that, and the other thing, or it made me feel, how do I reconcile that with my kid? And the biggest thing is listen. Right. It's not your time to defend your high horse as a parent to go, I was amazing. You suck. (laughs) That's not the point. Right, exactly. The, the kid is not saying that you were a terrible parent. They're, They're saying that their experience to... was hard or right. not ideal. And that just takes listening and validating their experience, not for you to prove them wrong that it was not what they experienced. Right, yeah. And, and it, it, it pains me on, on two levels when I hear that. And by the way, there are twin studies that, that um, show the same thing. You can raise twins in the same family and they have different experiences. But what pains me about that is um, how much hurt, unresolved hurt that exists in a mom who would take that defensive action. The, The reaction is because we're scared of rejection and quote unquote perceived societal failure. I don't believe there is such a thing um, as, as a, as a, failure as a mom, uh, per se. Uh, I think not attending to what's going on inside of you is doing yourself a disservice because those points of imperfection are actually points where you could actually make a meaningful connection with your daughter. And if you can see it more as an opportunity, as opposed to an offense or a negative comment on your parenthood, that will shift things for you in your relationship. I mean, I'm amazed time after time with the moms that I work with, um, whether it's in my, you know, mom mentoring group or, you know, I'm talking to them or via online uh, in a session. How many times were when they've grasped hold of the fact of seeing it as an opportunity and have paused in that moment with their daughter they come back to me all smiles. They're like, oh, my God, it actually worked. I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> and, but that's a secret, by the way, for any relationship, even in your marriage or long-term mm-hmm. relationship with your partner. Yes. Um, when, when we're questioned or pushed against the wall, of course we're going to defend. We're going to feel attacked. We're going to fight back and have no regard for the other person's feelings because we feel in danger in some way mm-hmm. or another. And sometimes taking that pause to gain perspective about what the person's actually feeling what they're actually saying and not being a personal attack. Now, if it is, of course, that's something to talk about, (laughs) but a lot of times, a lot of times it's not Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's someone's perception of feeling attacked. Mm -hmm. And then it's taking a pause and going, okay, what's really happening here? What they're, what are they actually saying? What are they actually trying to convey? Let me listen harder, take a pause and ask them to clarify versus going, you're stupid. Right. And like that's because <laughs> right. then that's going right. to make things worse. Right. And I, I, I do that very often as well. I'm not immune to, to reacting, but the mm-hmm. more pauses we take and the more 
perspective and a, a, an objectivity we can give and have as much positive regard for the people in our lives who are talking to us, it just helps with creating a better relationship, which leads me to the the next point and last point. Hopefully mm-hmm. we can get this in is, you know, a big, big myth and a big, big thing that people say i know to me having a young daughter is like wait till they become a teenager oh jeez, you're gonna be in trouble <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh God. she's sassy now just wait till she's a teen tween oh, so <laughs> i i ha- just like i hated when people said oh terrible twos mm-hmm. you know what i hate it too. it's a, it's a challenge she's not terrible she's becoming independent Right. I don't always like it when she yells at me that she doesn't want to wear pants today or that she yells at me to put the pancake back together that she wanted it cut seconds <laughs> earlier or that she wants strawberries, not blueberries and blueberries, not strawberries. Uh, right. When she asked for the other one prior, like that doesn't mean she's <laughs> terrible by, right. by using that terminology where we're, we're have an outlook on our kids that they, they're terrible people and that we have to just deal with it. No, right. they're growing. They're awesome. It's just a challenge. So same thing going for teens and tweens. Mm-hmm. When you talk about this topic, often you're very big on, like you said, a tame versus less and, and a less drama filled. How do we start that process? How do we create that environment? And how do we hopefully, yes, of course, this is not a 100%, you know, promise that if you do X, Y, and Z that there won't be drama, but mm-hmm. we want less drama. How do we start that process with our teens and tweens? Right. I, I, I'm not a fan of the term drama. It has such a negative comment, connotation. Everyone has a story in their life. Okay. And you as the mom have already started, li- have been living your story way before your daughter showed up and she's figuring out her story. The way in which you have less, uh, we're just going to use the word because we can't think of another one, drama <laughs> uh, uh, in that relationship is one to recognize that first and foremost, She's trying to become uh, her own person apart from you. And the way in which you feel, sorry, the way in which you think and feel about the separateness of her from you is going to influence how you respond to those moments, be they big or small, of when she is doing something either not the way you'd like her to do it or not the way you told her to do it or not the way you would prefer her to do it. In those moments, I contend, and at least uh, anecdotally, I'm not familiar with the research, but what I've seen is the way in which you handle the separateness when they're toddlers and they're saying no, or they're asking for something different than what what they asked for previously, the the way in which you handle those moments of separateness when she's a toddler is going to influence the way in which you handle those moments of separateness when uh, she's entering her tween and teen years. But if you can just keep in mind that at the core, she wants to be seen. We've talked about this before, but she also needs to be heard. And that's where the two ears, one mouth, twice as much listening as opposed to talking is going to be key. Not that you're silent, but that you need to be more strategic and intentional about when it is you say what you're going to say. And how you say it. My mom used to say, is that what you say? It's how you say it. I'm like, yes, ma. Yes, ma. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Also, also, I think a big thing, and I would love to hear your perspective, is that it's also how you you react to things and the question of, is it worth this reaction? So, for example, 
I'll give it. I'll give a yeah, nine out of made sense. Yeah. Uh, your daughter comes home. There's a, like a blow up and emotions. There's frustration. There's and they slam their door. Mm-hmm. Is it worth going in and screaming at them for the fact that they slammed their door? Or they don't eat all their food and they're like, "I'm done. This food sucks." Mm-hmm. Right. That's a moment, an opportunity to say, like, to to let that not let it slide that you're letting it go, but wait till it calm down versus attacking in the moment. It's about timing with everything. So you might have a rule in your home: we don't slam doors. Mm -hmm. But there's probably something going on for your child to slam their door. So that's not the point where you just jump on it and go, "Her, her, her! I'm going to go yell (laughs) at my daughter now because they slammed the door." That's a rule in our home. But you can wait an hour. You can Mm -hmm. wait till the next day and just check and go, hey, hon, babe, Mm -hmm. my love, whatever you call your children. Mm -hmm. If you have a more ridiculous nickname, go for it. (laughs) Um, I call my daughter Rickster, even though her name is Ricky. So I go, I go, Rickster. Um, And I go, what's going on? Like, you know, we don't do that in the house. Is everything okay? Not, we don't do that. Don't you dare do that again or else. It's what's happening. Are you okay? That's not how you normally act. That's not what we do in this household. What's going on? That's just an opportunity of connection versus creating contention because you want to stick to strict rules and the way you run your household. Right. Yeah. You know, something that someone said to my husband, me again, we've been married going 30 years this year that they said to us early on before we got married, we were married, we were engaged. They said, be a student of your wife. That's what they said to him. And likewise to me of your husband. Um, and what that stuck in my mind, what, what stuck in my mind as a result of that is be curious, be, be inquisitive. And I love that inquisitive is all about, well, what was that about? Not why, why is accusational and judgmental is how are you feeling? Not, you know, you should, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So if you can just adopt a position of be curious, oh, this door slammed that normally, if that normally doesn't happen and that's happened, then that should make you curious. I wonder what's going on and then look for timing to, in terms of when to approach. But yeah, that, that those are just the additional thoughts. I but have. yeah. And also it's just about being cognizant of your child's life and children's right. life, right. whether it's a relationship that's going awry, mm-hmm. whether it's a girlfriend, boyfriend, mm-hmm. friend, romantic, whether it's school and stress, whether it's, Things happening in the family, right? Mm-hmm. Someone's sick or not doing well. Mm-hmm. Drama in the family, stress in the family that's not just in the household but externally. Just be cognizant of that stuff because that impacts and they feed off of that. And it also means that not everything has to be where you, where you start that war, right? Or where you put your foot down. Not mm-hmm. everything has to be a fight. Not everything has to need a fight. Not mm-hmm. everything has to have a deep and real conversation. Some mm-hmm. things it's about choosing your battles correctly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with intention and mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. Not everything has to be a real dark talk because <laughs> they grab the remote from their brother or sister and change something they want. It doesn't mean like, Hey, you're going to your room. Like some <laughs> things can be, can slide because if the household is built on nitpicking, attacking, constant rebuke, constant fighting, constant do this do that you're not doing this you're not doing that it creates a chaotic environment Mm -hmm. that can actually have long-term effects on your children's evaluation and self-esteem of themselves versus letting them be sometimes letting them live and learn and experience so thoughts no actually um 
I know that I've said earlier that, you know, and I'm just sticking to daughters right now, that your daughter needs to be seen and heard. The thing I didn't mention is that there's a third thing is understood. And, you know, it, I'm, I, I read in uh, Proverbs once, you know, where it says, you know, wisdom builds a house, but understanding is what furnishes it. Mm-hmm. And so that understanding, if you can have a heart to let me just try to understand what's going on. And we as moms, I think we're built, we're built to hold. And so really paying attention to our body, because our body feeds off what's going on in the house, et cetera, and so forth, and the rhythm and whatnot. So don't discount. <laughs> okay, if you're feeling tense, okay, what else is going on around, around you? So that you can approach with a heart's desire to understand, because understanding is what's going to make is going to furnish your house to make it a home to be metaphorical. I love, I love that. I love, you know, come on, we're in the mental health world. We have to have right. metaphors. <laughs> I gave a metaphor to my client recently and she was like, uh-huh. that doesn't make sense. And then she made fun of me about it. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you got me, you got me. It was a terrible, it was a terrible uh-huh. example. But I think it's also really important that distinction of understanding and seeing. Mm-hmm. And giving your kid that space to truly tap in and learn about them. Mm-hmm. Your job as a parent is to help them grow as best as they can to be self-sufficient adults. This is a relationship that you want long-term, right. not just for right now. And sometimes that takes a lot of stepping away, perspective, apologizing, growing, changing for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say that there's a lot of research by Gabor Mate, um, who uh, wrote books on trauma. I think it's called The Disease You Don't See, um, The Scattered Mind, which is on ADHD. Uh, and I think he has another one, The Ghosts of Something. I forgot the title. I'm really bad at the, that stuff. But um, he writes and does shows the science behind the energy of a home. So he grew up in Hungary during the Holocaust. He was a very young child, and he said that his parents never said that something bad was happening, but he felt the energy. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about what you're saying or how you're saying, but how your vibe is, your energy. So like Dr. Deering has been saying so beautifully, take a pause and be aware of how you're showing up in your home. If you're pacing, if you're intense, if your shoulders are up, if you're harumphering around the house, and it creates an environment of fear, of of environment of feeling like you can't, you're walking on eggshells. You might show love and hugs and kisses and be very loving and understanding. But if the general vibe of the house is, oh gosh, what's mommy going to do next? Or when's daddy going to explode next? That also plays a massive role. So in the end, what do we learn from this? Parenting is really hard and parenting is a learning process and give yourself compassion. Be patient with yourself to grow and learn. Each child's going to bring a different challenge. So don't think you know just because one child was one way or the other. I know I'm going through that right now, right. expecting and hoping that my second child is as wonderful and easy as my daughter was when she was a newborn, knowing very well that it could be a totally different world. Last thoughts that you want to get in on this mother-daughter connection for the listeners. Yeah. If, if moms can, I, I just want you to know, healthy mother-daughter relationships are possible. Really see your points of imperfection as points to connect differently with your daughter and forge a closer bond. 
Um, and then lastly, um, by all means, know that you're enough. And I can't say that enough, so I'm going to say it again. Know that you are enough just as you are. Your daughter has you in her life for a reason. And so my heart's desire is that you discover that. Ooh, okay, I think we need to end on that note. That was just too good. What was that, what was that saying? I, th- I think the quote is... Uh, uh, a good parent because you care it means you're a good parent or something mm. right i forgot I, the exact I, I, I don't i don't yeah i haven't heard that let's one. just say it's my angelou because like every good quotes from like, always like <laughs> right uh, right or like anonymous um, <laughs> <laughs> um but really dr deering thank you so much for having me on your show for our back and forth contact yes. and being a friend and a support yes. system you're wonderful you're great and i want people to access you so where can they reach out to you and find you well, the best place to listen to one is to listen to my podcast, uh, Mother Daughter Connections, which you can find on any podcast platform. Um, then visit me at my Facebook group, which is at Mother Daughter Connections, FB, as in the letters Facebook and the word Facebook. So at Mother Daughter Connections, FB. And then, um, yeah, my, my, uh, there's a, a freebie. If you have conflict with your daughter and you want less, I have a quick guide uh, to less arguments uh, with your daughter. You can uh, get that at bit.ly backslash less arguments. And uh, yeah, I think you'll have the other information in the show notes, but those are the way to, to get Perfect. it. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You're quite welcome, sweetheart. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast. So we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.